0: Um, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Uh, it's, um, look, the problem with this reading is we don't live in the first century. If we did, we'd understand exactly what it was about. And it would make perfect sense to us. But we don't, and so it doesn't. It's a strange reading. It's a little bit like last week's, where we, um, we had another discipleship story, those of you can, who were here and can remember back an entire week. It's easy for me because I went and looked. Otherwise, I'd be—I wouldn't remember. What do we do with it? Do we take it literally? If we do, then we have to—basically, we have to wander around Galilee through Galilean villages, sort of barefoot, Um, and that's not a a safe thing to do, particularly if you're Palestinian these days. Um, It's—it's a problem with taking it the sort of the way it is. It's a strange reading. Or do we do what most 20th century Christians did, and that is sort of feel a bit like a failed disciple? I mentioned this last week. The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers. Is that, as we just heard, is that banging on people's doors? Nobody bangs on anyone's doors anymore. When was the last time you visited somebody without saying... I'm coming around, which that's like a weird thing to do. Nobody does that. If somebody knocks on my door, uh, there's usually a problem with one of my neighbours or the, it's the police. You know, there's a riot down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Me. You know, like, it's a straight, we, it doesn't work. and we, But we were always told this is what we were supposed to do, that... Um, That we should somehow have conversations with other people and then be able to sort of turn the conversation around to talking about Jesus. And But when you think about it, didn't you feel like it's a false thing to do? If you ever get one of those phone calls that begins, good morning, how are you? The first thing you want to know is, what are you trying to sell me? I might want it. It's not likely that I do because if I wanted whatever it is you're selling I would have gone on the internet, found it for myself and already bought it and waiting for it to be delivered. But that's how we are. And The idea that we would manipulate people into conversations we know that's wrong but when we read this text I don't know about you but having grown up in the church I still feel a little bit guilty even if it's not something I think is a reasonable thing to do to go and knocking on people's doors. The past is a foreign country, Hartley said in his famous quote from his novel. The the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. The thing we've got to know most of all, if we're going to make any sense of the New Testament, and particularly of Luke's Gospel, is that, and, and I think I mentioned this last week, the base unit of society throughout all of history until recent times, until modern times, has been the family the clan or the village, the group. All decisions were for the good of the collective. The first assumption was always what is the best for the group, the clan? What is best for the reputation of the group? That was the heart of the way everyone fought. I I mentioned last week about the paterfamilias, the idea that the father was the absolute authority in every household and could do whatever the father chose to do. This is one of the things we don't get about the New Testament, the terrible shock that Jesus' message was because he was suggesting the forming of a different collective, a different family, a different community. So when we read the story of the prodigal son and the idea that the youngest son wants his bit of the family, it would have been the most shocking thing to experience. The idea that you would willingly disaggregate the family, break it apart, was like the idea that you would break apart, in our world, an individual. So we get really upset when people are discriminated against because of their ethnicity or because... There was recently uh, a, a, an item in the news about a woman discriminated against because of her mocha, her facial tattoos, which are part of her religious practice uh, as, an, I think, a, a, a Maori woman. And she couldn't get into a nightclub because they had a rule against facial tattoos. And we, we were engaged in that kind of a thing in a way that would never have made sense in the first century because the base unit of what it means to be human... In the first century was the family or the clan or the village. In our world, it's the individual. We've experienced in the, in, since the modern era, which is basically since the Enlightenment, the idea that the individual is the base of society. We are the ones that make decisions about ourselves. It's the heart of liberalism, the heart of our whole understanding of democracy. It's just who we are. And it's got a long history. You know, A lot of, uh, of authors consider it goes right back to Paul who was the originator of the idea, maybe the originator of the idea, that the individual should have an intense personal experience of God. You know, all the way through the book of Acts, there's this idea that me and my household, so that's the father of the household, the paterfamilias, would make the decision that me and my household, we're now going to follow this new way of doing things. That's completely made sense in the first century and completely makes no sense in the 21st century. There was an ad a few years ago on a billboard that said, it was advertising a luxury car, and it said, for the most important person in the world, dot, dot, dot. Now in the first century that would have confused people. Who is the most important person in the world? And this was right at the heart of Jesus' culture. Is it the paterfamilias? Is it the person who runs our little community, our group, the lead human being, the father? Or is it the emperor? Who runs the whole world? The idea of who is the most important person in the world would have been a conversation. But in our culture, it makes perfect sense. We don't need to know anything after those dots. I know who the most important person in the world is. Isn't it? That's who it's for. It's for me. I deserve this luxury car because I've worked so hard and all that crap. That's what it's about, isn't it? We understand that. It's a different kind of world. So if that's true, we need to think about this in a different way than Jesus did. uh, And in a different way than he called that 70 people to do. Because Jesus was sending people out into the very heart of his culture. Into the clan, into the village. Into the very centre of everything of of what it meant to be human. And to discuss that and and to call people to something. And we discover immediately that there's some terrible pain at this heart of the, at the heart of the culture. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, what could be so wrong in a culture that central to everything that makes people human is the idea of the clan and hospitality of welcoming everyone? Why would Jesus need to say but whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you something is deeply wrong at the heart of culture. If we were to change that to the heart of our culture and say (laughs) but whenever you meet a person and they do not welcome you there's something deeply wrong in the heart of our culture isn't there? We have an epidemic of loneliness where we're together and separated out. So people feel lonely in the crowd, people feel lonely in their families. No one quite understands me. In fact, no one is interested in discovering enough about me to understand me. Trolling on social media. If you know anybody relatively well-known, uh, I know a number of journalists who will, will say what I would have considered to be the most straightforward and sensible thing and get a torrent of terrible abuse on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and the others. But whenever you meet a person and they do not welcome you, that's the, da- the damage at the heart of our culture. Our Hospitals are choked with people with mental health issues. That's one of the reasons why we've got ramping. As you, If you read any of this material, there's lots of reasons, but one of them is that there is no place for people with mental health concerns to go other than to an emergency department. And they clog up emergency departments because they're not designed to deal to treat those of us with mental health conditions, particularly those of us with low-level mental health conditions. That is, we're not likely to harm ourselves or others immediately and therefore can be sectioned. We're just in despair or in deep depression or deep anger. There's nowhere for us to go, so we end up in the emergency department. Something is deeply wrong at the heart of our culture too. So Jesus is on about going into a village and and then he gives us a whole bunch of instructions. So if we were to transfer that to what does it mean not to meet a village, but to meet a person, an individual? Well, Jesus says carry no purse, no bag and no sandals. Do it, in other words, without any of the props. All the things we use to build ourselves up, to make ourselves as human beings, the clothes we wear, the education that we have, the status that we rely on. And we talk about it, don't we? We, we talk about, I, I need to make myself presentable before I go out. Or I've heard women... And when makeup was a much bigger thing than it is now, apparently the, uh, the sales of makeup has dropped off a cliff in the last 10 years. But I need to make, my, make up my face... Or I need to put on my face. You know, these are, this is language that we use. It's really evocative of who we are. We sometimes construct such a self that is there to protect ourselves that we don't arrive as a human being. We arrive as a construct. As a pretend human being. Or as what everyone else I think will be willing to accept. We've been, we've just finished the book in, in the book group. Um, uh, by um, Brian McLaren and in it he quotes some words from Howard Fuhrman, uh a now dead 20 years I think um, uh, African American theologian, theologian and political activist and Howard Thurman, in a speech to a bunch of graduates talked about the idea of showing up as yourself this is what he says there is in you Something that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. It is the only true guide you will ever have. He goes on to explain some of this to these graduates. But it's the idea that you need to be who you really are. And if you don't show up as yourself, what are you showing up as? The genuine in you is all of who you are, your true self, with all its imperfections and all its gloriousness. And they're both there, aren't they? You must show up in vulnerability. I don't know if you know the work of Brené Brown. She did a. Uh, she's now written lots of books. She's very famous. She did a small TEDx speech in Houston where she teaches, and it was about vulnerability. And it blew up. We've got millions and millions of views on uh, on the uh, from the TED programs on YouTube. Staying vulnerable, she says, is the risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. Staying vulnerable is the risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. Surely this is what Jesus meant earlier in Luke uh, when he talks about, therefore I tell you do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing, it's more than the things we build it out of. It's you who you really honestly genuinely are that's why Jesus talked about himself as the son of man which is much better translated as the human one Jesus was being human he was showing up as he really was which turned out to have been in the actual image the actual likeness of the divine which turns out to be all of us we long long for that reality that kind of sense of ordinary truthfulness that goes on and Jesus says don't greet anybody on the road in the same verse don't be distracted by it just be present don't be distracted by what social media is doing on your phone I use this I, I suffer quite a lot like most people do from anxiety it comes and goes and I use this mantra now hear this Now, not earlier, not an hour ago or a day ago or a year ago or a decade ago, but now. Not later, what I might be doing in ten minutes or this afternoon, but now. I'm here now. I'm here. Not where I wish to be, not where I'm supposed to be, not where I long to be. But I'm here, in this place, right now. And I'm doing this. This is what's happening now, not what should be happening or what my mother thought I should be doing or what I'm supposed to do or anything else. This is what I'm doing now. Now, here, this. That's what we're being called to. And when we're fully present, we understand it in a way that we can't explain. It's like... You get those moments where you're reading or engaged in a conversation or you're watching a sunset, it doesn't matter what it is, and suddenly time disappears. And the next time you kind of come to yourself, wow, where did all that time go? Because I was fully present in this moment. That's what we long for. And that's what other people look for in us. Now look, we could go on with this for hours and we won't because we've gone too long already but you could go for the rest of this if, you, if you're if you feeling in the mood and you want some homework. Go back and read the text as if it's talking to not the heart of culture being the village that Jesus sends the 70 to but the heart of culture being you and me, individuals. Because we long for authenticity. When I was a kid, the only bread you could buy was in slices and in plastic bags. It was in wax paper bags, I think, back then. Now, I could spend an hour just thinking about the bread that's available on some shelves. I want authentic bread. I want bread that tastes like it's made by hand and that is full of holes and full of all the goodness that you want in bread. We don't want store bought bread, we want authentic. When we travel now, we don't want just to go where everybody's gone. We want a sense of authenticity. We want to find the real Pacific. That's what they'll sell you if you if you're looking up for thinking of going on holiday. The real Italy. In that, in that, we're looking for authenticity and those are sort of superficial things, but they speak to a really to the heart of us. We're looking for something. The harvest it turns out is plentiful. There's an entire world full of human beings longing for authentic connection with each other. And the idea of being sent out into the harvest is not with a message that we need to sort of wheedle into some sort of conversation. or It's being sent out as fully alive, authentic human beings. Which is easy. And really hard at the same time, isn't it? It's easy because there's no rules you have to follow. There's no job you have to do. There's no education you're required to do. There's nothing you need to particularly wear. You need to see yourself as you truly are, as loved by God. And just turn up like that and see what happens. That's all we have to do. But that's so hard. That's why the labourers are few. Because it's hard to turn up as yourself. As Brene Brown keeps banging on about in all her books that are now famous. Here's another quote before I've got to finish. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. These are the experiences that make us the most vulnerable and I would add the most human. Therefore, ask the Lord of the Harvest to send out labourers Ask the Lord of the harvest for you to be human and to make human interactions and connections. That's what brings harvest and that's what I think changes the world. Right.